0: Hello everybody and uh, welcome once again as we continue on in our study that we're doing uh, in the New Testament really but we're in the book of Matthew right now and we'll be in the 21st chapter of Matthew today we've been going through this gospel chapter by chapter verse by verse uh, looking at all of the sort of uh, details and things that tie together so that we have a, a good handle on the Scripture and that oftentimes things in context um, are different than we've we've sometimes known them. We sometimes have taken parts of Scripture out of context and 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 uh, it, it's really not fitting into the way that it needs to in the text. And so by um, digging into the Scripture this way, uh, we get to learn a lot more ab- about... Uh, who God is and the things that were taking place in the ministry of Jesus, and and so we've been hanging right through there, and you sort of get the this way you get the the stage set, so the story is making sense all the while. We we've seen how Jesus entered the scene way back when he did through his birth and all of the miracles that that came along with that. We we uh, we saw how he was a, you know Herod wanted to take him out and. Uh, and yet the, the angels came and gave dreams to Joseph, who kept him safe by taking him out of Egypt, uh, out of Israel, and into Egypt for a season. And then he came back, and um, we, we see him years later. Then uh, going to the Jordan to be baptized, and then we see uh, it, around chapter four the temptation uh, that the evil one uh, it, uh, comes and and puts Jesus through. How Jesus resists and overcomes and wins through that uh, in Matthew five through seven. We've talked about this a lot. Sort of central to the book is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And we we take time to look at the Sermon on the Mount because in those three chapters, Jesus really outlines um, what the kingdom is is all about and how the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, had really sort of uh, taken things and made them bad. And that um, Jesus came with the words, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And undid all of the teaching, bringing people back into relationship with God making a way for them in, uh, in the kingdom where the uh, religion had taken it to a spot where it was all rules and regulations and no one really had relationship with God. So Jesus came to straighten that out and to offer the kingdom to Israel as their king. And he, he said that the kingdom was upon them, presented himself as king, and they chose not to receive him. And even though he validated then the things that he said in chapters 8 and beyond with numerous uh, miracles and healings, um, we, we see that the religious leaders begin to plot to have him killed. And uh, we've looked at all sorts of stuff along the way and the dynamics and the miracles and the things that they meant. And uh, in 19 and chapters 19 and 20, we talked about greatness. And, and that was the ongoing discussion of the, what does it take to be great in the kingdom and we came to the end of last week, and we see that jesus really demonstrates the greatness in the kingdom as being a servant and that uh, that's what true leadership in the kingdom is all about it's all about serving and and he was doing this under the backdrop of the disciples arguing all the time about who was the greatest amongst themselves and and see the the continual sort of push for power and prestige which happens today and and would be eliminated in the church if everyone realized that the quest in the kingdom is to serve it's not to establish a position or place it's to serve and and if everyone just does what they are equipped to do and what they're gifted to do and gives that to the body of christ then the church is able to function and do all that it's supposed to do which is a a really a powerful thing and so we you know we're always sad when we see in churches the the conflicts that take place sometimes uh, overpower and, and and those sort of issues so uh, we see that the goal is to be a servant and, and that if everyone is just being a servant, then there's real, no real status. And that in the kingdom, the leaders are right with everybody else. There's not a relational distance. And, and see, it's important to get because culturally we're used to our leaders having a relational distance from us. We separate them. They become above us and they lead us from above us or from behind us, but not in with us. And in the kingdom, it's not like that. Leaders in the kingdom are lead by doing and so that's the difference in the process and jesus was it was very important that the guys finally get that and um they don't really get it until a little while later but they get it eventually and and we're glad about that but you're going to see in the events of this entire week that they're in now that uh they really don't get it uh for a while yet so chapter 21 begins this process of the passover week it's the it's the final week of jesus ministry in in, before the crucifixion and and really he comes in on what we call now palm sunday uh he comes riding in and uh uh, he has a few days where he's busy in jerusalem and then he's arrested and then he's crucified tried crucified dies is buried and then defeats death and resurrects all in the course of a week so it's a pretty big week there's a lot that happens so, uh, and those are the things that we celebrate this week, all of those events. We we celebrate the crucifixion because of what it means for us, and we, we certainly celebrate on Easter the resurrection and what that means. And and uh, so Friday is the day that we, we remember the cross, and that, you know, ultimately uh, Jesus went there on our behalf. It should have been us, but he went there for us, and he endured uh, just amazing things. And so, you know, we have to remember that. And yet... We're blessed in the fact that, that Jesus defeated death. He's not still on the cross. He, he's resurrected. He's alive. The tomb is empty. And so we celebrate on Easter because he's alive. And that's what we remember. Now, as believers, we, we technically celebrate that every weekend uh, and hopefully every day that he's alive. But, uh, you know, it, it fits in, in, in the spot. And actually, we're pretty close to a biblical Passover week because I believe it starts today, uh, the Jewish Passover Sometimes we get Easter way off because we don't, uh, we don't get it the way it's supposed to happen. We, we take it off of the, uh, the vernal equinox or something now. But uh, historically, the Jews the Passover week comes and, and they hit it exactly right in their calendar. I'm pretty sure it started um, this week. So, uh, the triumphal entry. Let me read Matthew chapter 21 to you and then we'll discuss that together today. Uh, 46 verses... I believe they're all in your outline if you want to read along, although I had to start on the back because I don't think it fit. It fit. And, um, or there's some few Bibles you can grab, or if you have your own Bible, you can read along. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 46. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Early in the morning as he was way, uh, on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, Go and throw yourself into this sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? And Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we're afraid of the people. For they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are ending the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenant seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. And then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who would give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be crushed and broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Blessed be the word of the Lord. A lot of stuff happens in Matthew 21. And, um, and so let's just try and, and sort of come through it because there's some neat stuff. And the parables are so uh, powerful in the process. Uh, The the Passover week had begun, as I said, and and, uh, in a a few days from uh, this uh, triumphal entry, Jesus is going to be crucified. Uh, But he comes in riding in on a donkey and uh, and a colt. And this fulfills prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. uh, Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the fall of a donkey. And so in complete fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus enters Jerusalem. Now he enters in a very humble manner on a beast of burden. Uh, and this is how the king comes to Jerusalem. And the crowds uh, that would soon reject him greet him in, uh, with great enthusiasm on this day. And they're actually quoting from Psalm uh, 118, verse 25 and 26, when they're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The, the actual verse says this in Psalm 118, 25, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the uh, house of the Lord we bless you. And uh, Hosanna is a Hebrew expression for save. So that's what they're shouting out, save us. They're, they're actually saying this, this uh, psalm. And Psalm um, uh, 118 is one of the Passover psalms. It's one that's always read during the Passover. So... When he comes, they're making the initial connection of who he is. And, and yet they're going to quickly reject him because the leaders want him rejected. And they, they have trouble um, going against them at the very end. And so um, Jesus makes his way to the temple courts uh, very quickly when, when he arrives. He, he shows up at the temple. And um, the, the court was to be, uh, the, the courtyard was to be a place of prayer. And yet what had happened was the, the priests had set it up to make money. And what they were doing was they had two big scams going on. <laughs> this is why it was so hard for people to get there. Um, first, they, they were the only providers of animals that were fit for sacrifice. Uh, you couldn't bring your own. You had to get one from them because they were good for sacrifice. So, so they had cornered the market on animals that could be sacrificed. And you could only buy them with money you got from the temple. You couldn't bring, you brought your money in, but because it was tainted from the the outside world, you you exchanged it for temple money, and they were making money on that too because the exchange rate wasn't fair. So here's what: so people are coming to worship God and to sacrifice and to do the things that they're supposed to do, and they're getting whammed uh, big time by the fact that they have to purchase these animals were sacrificed and they have to first exchange their money for temple money to buy them. That's what's set up before them. That's what Jesus walks into. And that's why he cleanses the temple. And, and he quotes from uh, two different parts of scripture uh, when he, he says what he says. My, this was to be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of robbers. And he he, indignant, he, he cleanses the temple because that's not right. And see, so what's happened is people couldn't get to God. It's a picture of how they, they can't get to God. They can't, they can't come on their own. They can't come in their, the way that it was supposed to be. They're having to go through all these things, and the, the priests are making it impossible for people to come. Because what follows next is also something that you might miss, because uh, what happens immediately after he cleanses the temple is that the lame and the blind come, and they're healed there in the temple. But see, if you don't know this, the religious leaders didn't let the lame and the blind go to the temple. If you you couldn't go, if you were sick or you had any sort of problem, they wouldn't allow you anywhere near the temple. You were kept on the outside. Jesus cleanses the temples from from what they had it, which was a a false uh, whole concept, and he allows the real thing to happen, and these people that come get healed. And so miracles happen, and yet the religious leaders, rather than being, I mean, if you see the lame and the blind healed, and you care anything at all about people you're going to be fairly happy about that right at least you should be but instead of being happy and blessed for the people that were being healed it says they were indignant because it jesus had just messed up their whole money scheme (laughs) it was all out there and 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 now he's doing this stuff for nothing and and they had no involvement in the process and people had access to god See it's it's the message of the kingdom Jesus is is turning everything so people get a clue as to how it was always supposed to be but the religious leaders witness these things and what goes on in the rest of this passage now is that their true nature is exposed the people seem to seem to get it but they don't and they'll they'll quickly reject Jesus as well because they'll follow the lead of their rulers but it's there for everyone that wants to see it. To see it. And so that's what happens in these following parables that begin in verse eighteen. Um, and, and these are some of the most famous parables of Jesus. The first one is about the fig tree, and most people have heard about the parable of the fig tree. So in verses eighteen through twenty two, what happens is that Jesus has gone from Jerusalem in the night. And he's gone to Bethany to spend the night, and he's back, coming back the following morning. Remember, as you think through all these things, Jesus knows what's coming. And so every day that he comes and everything that he does, he does with the understanding that he's about to go to the cross. He knows full well what he's about to endure. So keep that in context. It's not just another, you know, spring day in Jerusalem. All right? So he goes to Bethany for that and he comes back. And on the way in, he sees a fig tree. And the fig tree is luxuriant. it's, It's full of foliage, right? It looks beautiful and it should be full of fruit. But he goes, and he's hungry, it's, it's, it's time to eat. And he goes to the tree and there's no fruit. And he, he, he says to the tree, you'll never bear fruit again. And the fig tree withers. All right, do you get that? And the disciples are amazed and they say, how did it wither so quickly? And Jesus' answer is basically faith. Listen, see, if you've got to get this parable and then all the other ones make sense. In light of what just happened. See, people go and this, get this out of context all the time. And they teach something differently. The fig tree is a picture of Israel, which appeared, it appeared luxuriant, and yet it produced no fruit. Do you get it? It should have been producing fruit. It it should have been producing the fruit of the kingdom, and yet there was no fruit being produced. People could not get to God. They could not be part of the harvest. They couldn't get into the kingdom because of the rules and the regulations, and it had been set up now to appear one way, and yet it wasn't what it appeared to be. And what Jesus is ultimately saying is that faith is going to produce a better way, and the way that's going to work. It's going to take faith, and it's going to take faith in what Jesus is doing. See, there's, the, there's a big shift that takes place around this process with the fig tree. And so it's a, it's a picture of Israel not producing fruit. And, and he says it's never going to produce fruit. It's not going to make it. And he's, he said there's a new way, and it's going to come through faith. So that's the first of the parables. The second one is found in verses 23 to 27, and it's all about authority. And um, see, he's, he's, he's exposing the religious leaders for who they are. They have no authority they've, they've uh, presumed authority, but they, and he challenges their authority because they, they come to challenge his. He's entered in as the king. He's proved he was the king that was to come. That he's Messiah. Demonstrated it time after time with miracles and signs and wonders. Validated the things that he said by the things that he did. And they've chosen to reject and reject and reject. And now they come and say, by whose authority are you doing these things? And I love what Jesus says. See, because the religious leaders had uh, from the, the text in Deuteronomy... Um, People were to take their disputes to the rulers for them to settle. And so they had a a presumed authority because of the scripture. And so they they go to Jesus and, well, whose authority are you acting on? And Jesus said, well, I answer that, but you need to answer this question for me. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? And the religious leaders get into a big discussion and they can't make a decision because, well, if we say it's from heaven, then he's got us because we didn't listen. But we say it's for men, and then it's not real. Well, the people think that John the Baptist was a prophet. They're, they're not going to put up with that. And so what do they do? They don't take a stand. Either way, we don't know. If they had authority, they'd have given them an answer. See, and they couldn't give them an, an answer. We don't know. And so he, Jesus just takes that, and he steps from right into another parable, and it's about the two sons. This is a great little parable. And he says, okay, guy has two sons. And he says to one go out and and do some work. And he says, I won't. And then later he repents and goes and does it. And he says to the other one, go and do some work. And he says, I will. And he doesn't go. (laughs) All right? Does that sound like any of you? So, look, it's a picture of repentance. And even when the religion, and they get this now. It says at the end, they get exactly who he's talking to. They know every story fits them. Even when they see that people repented and changed. See, that's what Jesus said. The people came to John. They heard the message. And they came to me. They've repented. And now they're, they're entering into the kingdom. You see it taking place, and yet you refuse to do what you're supposed to do. You refuse to repent to come into the kingdom. You refuse to change. And, and so they're, they're making a conscious decision to reject Jesus as their king, as their Messiah. Again, because he wasn't the package they were looking for. And all they felt... See, all they... They're losing their presumed spot. That's what they care about. He exposes the fact that they don't care anything about people. They don't. They don't care, but they care about themselves. See, and that's the problem with rules and regulations, if that's all you got, because they just become completely self-serving and they're all for your own purpose. You don't care about anybody else. You just care about, I'm doing the rules and you better do them too, and if you don't, then you're gone. And... And yet they, they were breaking the rules all the time. See, it's a twist. And, and, and so it's filled with hypocrisy. Apart from relationship with God, we can't follow the rules. And So um, the religious leaders refuse to respond, even though they see the repentance that Jesus is talking about in front of them. They just don't care about people, which was something that needed to be exposed. They had no real authority. So this is the religious leaders, right? Jesus comes in and he says, they're not producing fruit. They have no real authority. They don't care about people. And then he he goes this one and he says uh, all they really care about is their own personal power. All they care about is their own personal power. And that's the parable in from 33 to 46 about the the the, the vineyard and the tenants. Right? And and throughout scripture the kingdom is referred to uh, or compared to a vineyard. And it's a it's a story of um, God setting up the the vineyard and The religious leaders are supposed to be taking care of it. And yet throughout history, every time God would send people to them, prophets, they would stone them, kill them or reject them. And you can read through the entire Old Testament. That's what they did over and over and over again. And the story goes on. Fine, I'll send them my son. Surely they'll respect my son. Jesus is the son. He comes and what do they do? They plot to kill him. They're not going to receive him. They're going to kill him. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. You see how all they cared about was their own personal power and position. That's all that mattered. And so this is the, 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 the picture that Jesus paints them. And, and they know absolutely that it's them because it says that they know it. And they refuse in this process. Um, see, if they would have... If they could have humbled themselves and, and taken taking their place alongside the rest of God's little ones, which is what was supposed to happen. Instead, they were elevating themselves and they couldn't humble themselves and repent and and Jesus gives them this judgment in Matthew 21:43 I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit and that's what happens and that's where the church comes in a short time later and the kingdom is given to us to produce its fruit that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be out there in the harvest, and we're supposed to be telling people that there is a way to God. And when you understand that whole process, it all begins to make sense. Why we're ambassadors. Why we're called to tell people there's a way. They don't have to, to, to go down in their sin. They can be forgiven and set free and have relationship with God. See, it all comes in here, and, and that's why we go out and do what we do. To tell people that is we're to then take his vineyard and produce fruit. And so it's because of that not being done. We have to be very careful that we don't become just like the Pharisees and become another group of, of, of rule makers who have no relationship with God and who only care about people following the rules. We need to be careful that we don't become Pharisaical in the fact that we don't care about other people. As long as we're okay, who cares? We have to be careful that we don't adopt those attitudes because that's what wants to happen in any system. And so we need to be aware of what's happening and always looking for Jesus to lead and to guide and to make sure that, that we maintain relationship with him so that we can listen for him and, and, and move with him and do the things that he calls us to. So all of that sort of is, is happening in this process. But to me, it's one of the most fascinating chapters in, in Matthew because of all that takes place and the way that he, Jesus sort of systematically exposed the, the, re, the religious leaders and the things that they were doing. They they just they didn't care they 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 weren't producing fruit we we saw that and and you, they had no real authority they didn't care about people all they cared about was their own personal power and and you will find situations like that today and so you need to look for them and because they're they're all over the place um, any group that that doesn't you know isn't producing fruit doesn't care about people and is just in it for themselves is a, is a mess so we need to make sure that we never move in that direction and so that ends Matthew chapter 21. And uh, next week, guess where we're going to be? Matthew 22. You guys are getting the hang of this. That's really good. So read ahead and we'll get there. If you're in the venue, they'll pray for you there. Uh, if you're watching on uh, the video on the computer somewhere, something, call us, email us. We'd be happy to pray with you. But we'll call it a night. Go ahead and pass me up your prayer requests so I can pray for those before we go. and. Uh, Don't forget, if you can tonight, we need to stack these chairs in stacks of seven and haul them over there.